You're listening to the Goal Line Stand Podcast with Jackson Caudell and Kobe Reed, where we break down all things college football, including breaking news, recruiting, gameplay, and more. Let's get straight to it. Welcome back to another episode of the Goal Line Stand Podcast. It's everybody's favorite episode of the week. It's time to preview and pick games. This is Jackson Caldell. That is Kobe Reed. Kobe, are you ready to pick some games? Heck yeah, man. We got a real interesting slate. We got a lot of games that if you're looking at the spread, they can be very questionable. A lot of games this weekend could be a flip of a coin or they could be smoke shows, blowouts, all that good stuff. So it's going to be a good week of college football. I think this is the week you're going to find out a lot of, uh, about teams that you still don't know about. Miami A&M, which we will get to. BYU, can they go on the road and win without their two top receivers again? NC State, can you avoid being NC State? Um, USC, can you go on the road and face a pretty good Fresno team? I thought they were uh, – when we did our group of five segment the other day, I, I forgot to mention them as one of the better ones. They they took Oregon State to the wire. Like, that's a good team. Jake Hayner's a really good quarterback. I I'm still, you know, I'm not bought in on USC, as I've said, but, like, this is another chance to go out, beat a good team. Like, this is what you should do, but we'll get to more of that. Michigan State, the number 11 team in the country, on the road against an unranked opponent and our underdogs. We'll know about more about them and Washington, but you ready to get into it? Let's do it. Let's start off in Atlanta. Of course, um, all I cover Georgia Tech, and they have a, a – for them, it is a big game. It's been overlooked nationally. I think just, you know, people don't expect much out of Georgia Tech this year. They see them as 16, 16 and a half point dogs in this game. Just going over it, I think the 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 biggest thing I want to see is there's – or the biggest thing I want to say about this game is there's a lot of unknowns in this game on both sides. Like, Tech played a pretty good half against Clemson, got worn down, and the two block pumps really the divider against Clemson. Start out really slow last week. I, I do have to mention it was on five days rest, and there was some weather there. There was I won't say it was terrible weather. It wasn't like the 49ers-Bears game on Sunday, but there was a little bit of weather there. They started out slow, especially on the defense, giving up some big plays, but the run game really took over. They got, they got that win against Western Carolina, and now it's another ranked team. Ole Miss is number 20. We don't know who's going to start at quarterback this game. Lane Kiffin declined to say who's starting, whether it's Altmaier. He got banged up a little bit against Central Arkansas. Jackson Dart is there. This team is really running the ball well, and that, that's, that has been the strength of Georgia Tech's defense so far, and I, I'm interested to see that. What scares me is the big plays. Like, Western Carolina was very, very efficient last week. They hit a couple of big plays in the first quarter. If – they have those kind of breakdowns and lapses in coverage. It's going to be night-night. Like, it, it's going to be just not very good. Lane Kiffin, uh, Jeff Collins talked about him in his press conference earlier this week. He thinks he's one of the elite play callers in college football. I do, too. But the big, but another big thing in this game is Ole Miss defense looks really good. Like in They the look really good. In statistics. The thing for me is, and I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that Georgia Tech is some world bear on offense. I don't think that they are. Troy and Central Arkansas aren't good either. So it's yeah. like you're on the road for the first time if you're old Miz. This is a chance against a Power 5 opponent, whatever you may think of Georgia Tech. The, the, like there's just an unknown. I don't know how good Ole Miz defense is. I'm kind of buying into it a little bit. Um, obviously, former Georgia Tech defensive end Jared Ivey's playing a big part over there in Oxford. He's he's 
made impact plays already this season. I just don't think Tech has enough talent to win this game. I think it's as simple as that. I, Jeff Sims just did not look good throwing the ball last week, and Collins can say whatever he wants to. I asked him myself about it at the after the game. He kind of dodged it and was wanting to talk about the well. We wanted to run the ball and you know have Sims put us in good positions to run the ball. That's fine. He was still eight of seventeen for a hundred yards against Western Carolina. Like that's and he missed throws high. You know, he he threw a really bad interception off a turnover. I haven't seen enough from Jeff Sims to make me think he's going to go out and win this type of game for you. And as much as you may want to run the ball, if Ole Miss doesn't allow you to run the ball, you're going to have to throw it. And I haven't seen enough from Sims. And this wide receiving core has been bad this year. Like Nate McCollum made some plays in the Clemson game. I haven't seen enough from guys like EJ Jenkins, Malachi Carter, Kalani Norris, young guys like Black Strain or Ryan King. Like they they are going to have to – somebody's got to step up and make plays. The tight end position, not been very good. Offensive line improved a little bit last week, but again, it's Western Carolina. And I'm not going to just judge them. So like, I think Clemson's a top three defense in the country, but Ole Miss looks to be pretty good too, at least in the top 20, 25 range. So this is going to be another test for the offensive line. I just, I trust Lane Kiffin to, to manufacture offense, whether it's through the run game, through hitting Jonathan Mingo and Michael Trigg in the passing game. I don't. I just don't think Tech has enough guys to keep up. I think Ole Miss wins, and I think they probably cover. Do you got anything on this game? I mean, yeah, man. I mean, clearly the biggest thing that sticks out to me, and I know you mentioned it, Ole Miss hasn't played strict competition by any means, but their defense looks good. They're flying around making plays. I mean, they're ranked top ten nationally in points allowed. I mean, they've only given up six and a half points on average uh, in the first two weeks, so they look good offensively. There's maybe a handful of teams. I don't care what personnel you give him. There are only a handful of teams that can win in a shootout against Lane Kiffin. I don't think Georgia Tech's one of them. I mean, they're going to struggle. If they can run the ball consistently and keep the ball out of Ole Miss's hands, then that's going to be end up being your best shot. But the defense is going to tighten up. You can't give up big plays. It's inevitable. Lane Kiffin lives for that. He's going to draw you up, scheme you up. But if Georgia Tech can take care of the football, run the football, control the tempo that's going to be their best shot of winning yeah and like you hear it every time there's a big underdog in any game well you got to win turnovers you got to win field position and time of possession can be misleading sometimes because some teams just hit a lot of explosive plays and don't possess the ball much but like Georgia Tech has got to win that time of possession they were Western Carolina held it for 40 minutes last week compared to Tech 19 and it wasn't like Tech was hitting a bunch of explosive plays uh, they hit a couple. They hit a couple early in the game, but it, there wasn't much after that. They were just. I, I just don't know that they can that, that they can yeah. do it. And like uh, Tech has looked improved on defense at times, especially when Charlie Thomas is in there. I mean, he had to sit the first half after being ejected from the Clemson game for targeting. He had yeah. eight tackles, two for loss, a sack, and an interception in one half of play. Like he's a he's a legit NFL player, but like you you got to have a lot of those guys. Like you, you have to. I just don't think that they can force enough turnovers. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball consistently enough. And I've seen nothing from Jeff Sims that makes me think he can win the game with his arm. So, unfortunately for Tech fans, I think Ole Miss wins this game. I've done a pretty in-depth preview of this game, even more so than this. You can go check it out at allyellowjackets.com. But we're going to be moving on to a game at noon against for a team that uh, Tech fans don't like, and that's Georgia. They're laying 24 and a half. In Columbia this week, I'll be honest. I think this gets 
just ugly. I mm-hmm. South Carolina, I saw I know you saw had some defensive guys go down for the year. Their offensive line yep. is a disaster, which is the you it's hard to be a flawless team, but if you're gonna face teams like Georgia and Alabama, your flaw can't be the offensive line. Like it just can't be. Spencer yep. has been running for his life. I think I think it'll be something like forty four to seven. Like I just I think this gets ugly, ugly quickly. And then I think Kirby just wants to run the ball, get out of there. Yeah, it's good. Spencer Rattler, he's gonna be in for a rude awakening. I hate it for him because I want he's personally one of those guys I want to see bounce back and have a good career. But this Georgia team, man, with their defense, we know what you're gonna get. They're ranked number one nationally in scoring defense. Um but the offense is still what's surprising me. We saw it against Oregon. Um, we saw it against Sanford. They're number one in passing yards per game at 439 yards per game. And they're top five in total yards per game at 571. So they, it seems like they're really getting comfortable with Stetson Bennett being able to air it out. Early in his career, do you remember the biggest thing with Stetson was his passes were getting batted down at the line of scrimmage. That was the big thing. Now it just seems like they're so comfortable letting him air it out. So I got a feeling that first half, it's going to be straight fireworks from them. And then the second half of the game, they're just going to run out the clock and get out of there. Yeah. I will point out one thing that uh, I heard the, the other day. You know, his average depth of target is only five yards, which means that he's dumping the ball off pretty quickly. And then guys are just making he's throwing, it. He is throwing a lot of screens. I'm not, yeah. this is the I hate Stetson Bennett podcast, but I'm just saying like, it's not like Stetson Bennett is going out there and chunking the ball 75 yards down the field. Yeah. I think Todd Munkin is one of the best play callers in college football. I know he has a lot of talent at his disposal. He does a great job getting that set up, and, and I think the world of him is a play caller. So I've got Georgia. We we're both we both have Georgia. And before we go any further, shout out to our, our guy, Luke Carney, from last week. He was the only guy to pick Kentucky last week, so big shout out to him. He yeah. was just great. Um. A game at noon that was looked forward to at the beginning of the year. It's an old Big 12 rivalry, especially, you know, any nostalgic 60s and 70s college football fans. This is the game for you, man. Oklahoma, Nebraska doesn't have obviously quite that feel to it. Nebraska just firing Scott Frost. Oklahoma jumped to their double-digit favorite in Lincoln now. We both talked about how much we like Oklahoma. I do think that as bad as Nebraska's looked, this is a test for Oklahoma just in the sense is you're going to get their absolute best shot Saturday. That crowd's going to be fired up. There's going to be a ton of people there. They always sell out no matter how bad Nebraska's been. They, they're always there. I just think Nebraska's defense is hot garbage. Like I just think Oklahoma yeah. – I think they may drop a 50-burger this week. So give me Oklahoma and give me the points. I, I know it's gone up to like 11 and a half or 12 now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Nebraska, they're, they got a lot to figure out. I mean, they're trying to take the next step, uh, firing Scott Frost. So they're trying to find the guy, but right now in this little interim phase of their season, um, this is a hard test. Like, I don't care where you're playing. Oklahoma is a hard team to play. Um, Oklahoma's defense is playing very physical. They're flying around. They look good. Um, and offensively, I think Dylan Gabriel is one of the more consistent quarterbacks in this league and, I think Oklahoma is going to win big, but I really want to. I mean, we talked about it before the show. I'm really interested to see how Nebraska fires back. We've seen a lot of times how coaches get fired and then the players come out the next weekend and they're just fired up, flying around, ready to play. So I'm interested if we're going to see that from Nebraska. Yeah, because I mean, 
there's no like there was. I feel like there's a sense of pressure when you have a coach on the hot seat. Maybe it was the same way for USC and Clay Helton. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing with with like Helton and USC last year. Once he was fired, like that team tanked. Like they they went absolutely down the drain, and that could happen with Nebraska. I mean, Oklahoma could absolutely come out and hit them in the face, and they're sitting at one and three. But I I, I just think Oklahoma's a better team, and like it, it's hard to put some of the emotional attachments to games or I don't do as good a job of it. So like, I, I like Oklahoma, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually put money on it. Like there's just no, there's too many unknowns for it, but so off the noon slate, you go right into three thirty, and there's a couple of interesting games here. Um, I want to talk about BYU Oregon first, just because yep. BYU is going to be missing their top two wide receivers. Again, they're on the road in Eugene. You're just coming off a really physical game against Baylor. And Baylor had some success running the football, especially later in the game, but they were able to eke out a win. We talked a little bit about how this is one of the tests that they're going to have to get by. And then obviously Notre Dame and Arkansas here in a few weeks. Does BYU keep the winning streak alive? And do they stay as a top 15 team in the country? It all depends on Bo Nix. It. Golly, it's so hard because I want to pick Oregon to win this game at home. I really do, but I can't because of who their quarterback is. I don't think there's any other player in this country that I just I couldn't bet anything against. Like I, I couldn't, I can't see Bo Nix winning this game, but also BYU missing some of their key players. I don't know if they can pull it out on the road. But if I had to pick, I would pick BYU right now just because they look like a better unit. They look like a better team. Their chemistry's good. They're playing fast. They're flying around. Give me BYU. Uh, I'm not going to go with the spread just because, like you said, this is one of those weird games where I don't know what can happen. I think this is where we're going to see if Oregon's defense is actually good or not because I come into the year, like I wasn't high on Oregon, but I really thought they had a good defense. They I just, agree obliterated against Georgia and we're going to see if okay is Georgia just you know Georgia or is there something wrong with this Oregon defense and if they can't stop BYU without their top two receivers then there are problems that team this year so I think we're going to learn about I think we're going to learn more about Oregon just because I think you could always fall back on the excuse if they lose a close game that BYU didn't have their top guys or even if they lose by maybe a touchdown or more which I don't think is going to happen I think if Oregon wins it'll be close I expect a low-scoring game, like because I think BYU's defense is pretty good, but like I, I'm not trusting Bo Nix. I'm just yeah. not good. like I came into this like I, I I was surprised at how much I liked Oregon in this game, just because I'm a I'm a big BYU believer. But I, I can't. I just I can't do it. Like I'm just I'm not going to back a quarterback. I don't believe in. And like I think Jaron Hall is a pretty good quarterback. He's not elite, but he's a, a good college quarterback that I think can take care of the football and open things up. And I just I think. One of the most underrated coaches in college football today is Kalani Sataki. Ever since yeah. 2020, he is just that that program's flipped a switch of some sort. And they they've just been they you know what you're gonna get every game. They're in almost every game and it it's just they, they wear you down. So I like BYU, but I truly have no idea what to expect in this game. And I don't know how many how much I'm gonna get to see of it because tech and I'll, I'll be in Atlanta Saturday, so and that yeah. and, and time, but a game that's also at 3.30 that I think is going to be extremely gross is going to be Penn State and Auburn. And I say that because yeah. take the under. I don't know what the what the over-under is in this game, but take it because uh, – They got Penn State by three. 
What's the team? What's the total though? Uh, total um, forty-seven I, and a half. Take that. Take, take that's too much. Like, because I, I don't know if Auburn gets two touchdowns in this game. Because yeah, I, and to me that I don't. I, I know I, I backed Penn State a lot. I haven't loved what I've seen from them in the first two weeks, especially against Purdue. I think Auburn has the worst offense in the SEC, and I am fully aware that Texas A and M exists, but hmm. Auburn passing offense is terrible. Like it's Finley hasn't looked good. I know some of the Wildcats mm-hmm. do can be unique. You're not winning a game against a good team doing that tall game. It's just not going to happen. And don't even mention Zach Calzada. So yeah. I think I, I now I think Auburn can win this game. Like I, I think like Penn State's offense hasn't shown me enough, especially from the quarterback position. It makes me think it's just going to stroll in and be an easy win. And I think if Tank Bigsby is clearly the best player on either yeah. offense, that's how Auburn wins. But, like, I just don't – you have to have good passing attacks to make plays in the fourth quarter. And I, I Parker Washington and some of those guys on Penn State are good receivers. I think Penn State has a very good defense. Like, I, I like Penn State here. Yeah, I'm agree with you on that. I like Penn State to win this game simply because of quarterback play. With me, whenever it comes down to predicting games, what's the quarterback play look like and then what's the defense look like? Auburn's defense, they're going to be physical. They're always physical. I don't necessarily know that they have the playmakers that they've had in, had in the past, especially up front. Um, but, yeah, if Auburn was to win, not only Tank Bigsby, but Jarquez Hunter, the other running back, both of them are very, very talented running backs. And Auburn ranks top 20, top 15 in rushing yards per game so far. Um, so if they were to win, it'd be because, it'd be because of the running game, but you got to get TJ Finley out of there. And I think you got to give a guy like Robbie Ashford a chance. I mean, Robbie Ashford, I don't think he's the most precise passer of the football, but I think he does have a cannon. Um, if you're just going to be throwing check down routes, five yard ends, slants, all that good stuff, let Robbie Ashford do it because he does give you that dynamic with his feet. He is a dual threat and that kid has wheels. So yeah. if you're running a read option type thing with him and Tank Bisbee and Jarquez Hunter, I think that would give Auburn the best chance to win, but they're going to rely too much on TJ Finley. I don't think he can do it. I think Sean Clifford is a solid quarterback. He still has a lot to prove to me personally, uh, because I personally think Drew Aller is the best quarterback on Penn State's team right now. Um, but yeah, give me Penn State to win because I think they got better weapons on offense, and I just think as a unit they're better. Yeah, like, uh, and also it's the return of the SEC on CBS. It's the first SEC game on CBS this year, so it's you know about time. Yeah, for real. Um, we're five for five so far. We haven't disagreed. I think we may be disagreeing on this next one. NC State is double digits at home against the Texas Tech team that just got a big win against Houston and has looked pretty good so far this year. A lot of this for me is I don't – we talked about it in our preview and, like, I don't trust NC State as far as I can throw them. I just – I can't – I can't back NC State whenever they – as a double-digit favorite or as anything, like I, I love what I've seen from Texas Tech so far. Donovan Smith has been really good at quarterback. I know their defense ha- – they haven't played a defense quite like this, although I do think Houston has a good defensive line. And their defense worries me. I think the Red Raiders go in there and get the upset. I, I think they go in there and pull, pull this one out. I think they make enough plays. I think – I just – I hate NC State's offense. Like, they yeah. they should – with their with the talent they have on there, they should go in there and just throw on all over the yard on Texas Tech. They won't do it. They'll try to run the ball. I think Texas Tech will get enough stops. I, I like the I like the Red Raiders to go on the road and get a win here. 
I had NC State originally as a my playoff prediction. I at least had them winning uh, the ACC. I trust their defense. I really do. I trust their defense. They're going to be physical. I mean, they're only allowing 11.5 points per game. Um, if they can just unleash Devin Leary, I think he's a really good quarterback. I do. It's just their offensive schemes haven't been there, and they're making dumb play calls at the worst times in the game, and it's really shooting themselves in the foot. But they're playing at home. They're playing Texas Tech. They're playing a team that you know is going to try to air it out. Mm-hmm. Give me NC State. I think their defense can hold strong. I think they pull out the, this win. I, I'm excited to to see what happens in this game, like because I think yeah. it's maybe NC State just had a scare week one. You know, had to, had to work some stuff out. Can they, can they come out and get a win? If they're supposed to be as good as like mm-hmm. I, on paper, like they're really good. I just don't. Yeah. Trust them is my biggest thing. So. As a double, I would at bare minimum take tech in the points here. Like, there's no way I'm laying double digits with NC State in yeah. almost. So, Michigan State, we talked about, is the number 11 team in the country. They've been, they breezed through their first two games. Like, Western Michigan gave them some, a little bit of trouble early on, but they, they found a way to get through that. They, Akron's terrible. Like, they're awful. The Michigan State, yeah. them. Washington has also looked pretty impressive, but they've also not played anybody. And I think Michael Penix Jr. has he's looked pretty good. Like I, I've never been his biggest supporter, but he, he's getting the ball out a lot quicker, which I never saw at Indiana. Uh, Kalen DeBoer has done well in his first two games as a head coach. Their offense just looks it was it was going to be impossible to look worse after the disaster they were last year. Offensively, yeah. they look like competent. Most people don't realize how hard of a place Seattle is to play. Like they just they write it off because it's on the West Coast. It's Pac-12. Washington is a tough, tough, tough place to play. It, it's historically been that way. There've been a ton of big upsets there. I, I said it a few weeks ago. I would pick Washington to beat Michigan State. I still feel that way, and I think it's pretty telling that they're they're the favorite here. They're the unranked team, and they're the favorite. Yeah. I, I do worry that Michigan State's passing offense can hit some explosive plays, but I think Jaden Reed's a little bit banged up, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with their offense. I just Michigan State's had some guys get banged up in the secondary, and that that was already a big question mark for them this year. I like Washington to win. Not a ton of confidence in it because they haven't proved anything yet, but but give me the Huskies. Yeah, give me Michigan State. I'm still higher on Michigan State than most people. Um, I love Mel Tucker. I love his system. Uh. Even if Michigan State can't come out and throw the ball effectively, because I mean, their quarterback Thorne, he's only, he's four for three to his touchdown inter- interception ratio. Um, he's only been sacked twice. Granted, they haven't played stiff competition, but I like their running game. Uh, Jalen Berger, he's really, really good. Jaden Reed, I think he is dealing with some injury, but they got another guy, Coleman at wide receiver. He's averaging 20, um, 20 yards a catch. So, I like Michigan State, but don't get me wrong. Washington, like you said, they're going to be very, very hard to play. Um, I think they're firing on all cylinders right now. And I want to see Washington be good. I want to see a team in the Pac-12 really, really step up and be good. You know what I'm saying? And a team like Washington, they were, correct me if I'm wrong, they were the last uh, Pac-12 team to make the college football playoffs, right? That year they played Alabama. Yeah. So if Washington can really go in there and get a win, um, that would be huge for the Pac-12, but I do think Michigan State pulls this game off. I this is another one. I'm just I'm interested to see what the result is and how it, how they get there. Like it's just yeah. can Washington look like a legitimate team that who knows maybe could surprise in the Pac-12 and maybe challenge for that conference title? 
can Michigan State go on the – like, it would tell me a lot if Michigan State can go on the road and get this victory. Like, I still would have my doubts against teams like Michigan and Ohio State. But, like, going on the road and getting a win like that is pretty big. But yeah. LSU is playing a night game in Death Valley. They are underdogs. So, I'm a big Mississippi State believer, but that scares me because LSU just finds a way to play there. But it's, it's going to be – Brian Kelly's first SEC game. Um, it's going to be a night game, obviously, like I just said. Give me the Bulldogs here. I, I just – I did not like what I saw out of LSU in that first game. I think Mississippi yeah. State – I'm telling you, people are going to catch on to how good Mississippi State is. I've I backed them yeah. preseason. They are a good team. I just don't think LSU can make enough plays in the passing game against a, a pretty good Mississippi State defense. Will Rogers is playing with a ton of confidence right now, throwing the ball around. He's, he's one of the most he, – he's not talked about much. Like, I, yeah. I think after this game, he, he should start getting a little bit of love. Give me Mississippi State in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I agree with you. Give me Mississippi State. Will Rogers, he's a good quarterback, man. Like, I understand Mike Leach's offenses are always going to be very, very good passing the football. But – Honestly, and I think I've said this before on the show, this is one of the weaker LSU DB rooms I've seen in a long time. I don't trust them. Um, you got guys on their D line that are going to miss this game. Um, just, I don't trust Jaden Daniels. I don't trust their wide receivers. I know Keishon Butte was supposed to be one of the premier wide receivers in college football. He hasn't shown me much at all. I don't trust their running game. And it's really hard when you don't have a running game. And this was LSU's problem last year. They've had guys like John Emery there. They had Noah Kane come in. They just got to get a rhythm being able to run the football because right now I'm pretty sure Jaden Daniels is probably leading the team in rushing yards if I'm, mis- if I'm not mistaken. So, but with a team like Mississippi State, they are always, always, always very underrated, especially since Mike Leach has been there. He's going to air it out. Give me Mississippi State and Death Valley. Yeah. Like that. Again, like this is like if Mississippi State's as good as I think that they can be. Like I think they're legitimately top fifteen good. Like I, I know yeah. there's others out there that think that too. I'm not alone, but like they're they're good. I I'd still claim that they're the second best team in the SEC West right now over Arkansas. So I want to take us back just a little bit because there's a Friday game I forgot to mention that actually has some implications. Florida State is going on the road to play Louisville. Um who knows which Louisville shows up? Is it the one that got hmm. by Syracuse, or is it the one that found a way to win against UCF? And can Florida? I'm more interested in Florida State here because, like, I, I think I there's agree. LSU's just bad, and they have to go out on the road. Like, it's it's almost a pick 'em if I'm not mistaken. FSU may be like a one or two point favorite, but it's it's yeah. pretty tight. I don't two and a half. I can't get the Syracuse game out of my mind, and even the first half against UCF wasn't great. I think Florida State's a better team. I think their front seven contains Malik Cunningham enough to where Florida State's able to run the ball. Jordan Travis played well his first couple games. I I think Florida State goes on the road gets a win. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm I'm high on Florida State. Um, They came out and proved a lot to me in the LSU game. They still got a lot to work on. They still got a lot of ground to cover. But if you're looking at their season totals, they look really good. I mean, they're fifth in the country in rushing yards. They're top 20 in yards allowed on defense. Um, In Louisville, they just look so abysmal. They're averaging 13 and a half 
uh, points per game. It this is not what I thought we would have saw uh, seen from Malik Cunningham because I think he is a good quarterback and he's dynamic. But this Louisville has just been very this Louisville team has just been very very upsetting. And I think the momentum FSU has, especially after getting that big win against LSU, give me Florida State big, big. Okay, yeah. big. That that'll that'll be. That'll be interesting to see if they win that big. Scott Satterfield yeah. will the hot seat. Um, yeah, because, I mean, Louisville, they're averaging three turnovers a game. And FSU, I'm pretty sure they're averaging zero a game. So, if that's the case, then I like FSU all, all day. Very, very big in the ACC, like, for, for, both, for both teams. Like, Louisville yeah. – I can't. I keep. I kept going back and forth today on who needs this win more. Like my first instincts was, well, obviously Louisville. They have a loss, and Scott Satterfield's already dealing with hot seat questions. But like, for, like if if Florida State loses this game, and especially if LSU yeah. then goes loses Saturday, then okay, then the questions are going to start. Well, maybe LSU just yeah. so. And especially with the narrative around Mike Norvell, I think he needs this win personally. He needs all of them, but yeah, yeah he needs this one. So hit on two more games. This one, I think, has upset potential, although I'm not willing to go there quite yet. USC has to play Fresno. Um, I have my concerns about the USC defense, but this is another opportunity for, for USC as a team to go play what I think. I think Fresno State's a better team than Stanford. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Like, I, I would pick them against Stanford if they play tomorrow. And then you also have a, a road game in Corvallis next Saturday. So – USC against Fresno. Caleb Williams has been phenomenal. Like uh, he's been pretty flawless. I mean, that offense has has really not missed a beat as as far as that goes. I think they need to do, they need to be a good defense without turnovers and like or without solely relying on turnovers. I guess is my main point. So yeah, um, I, I like USC to win this game. I don't know. I think it was up to twelve and a half. I don't know that they cover that. But we'll 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 see. Like I, I'm interested in this game. It's going to be the late night game. After, you know, Miami A and M will be done at that point. So I like USC in this game. Very interested to see it. Yeah, I think this might be the biggest over under of the weekend. Uh, the, the over under is set at 74 right now. So I mean, Maryland and SMU is also up there too. That game's going is to be it? Fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Give me USC. Um, I think they do cover the 12 and a half. Their offense is electric, man. We we talked about it earlier this week, but dude, they got playmakers all over the field at every level, throwing, running, quarterback, quarterback play, everything they got offensively. I think it's very top is top tier in the country. Uh, defensively, they're still they're still working on it, but I think they are getting better and they are showing signs of of improvement. But this Fresno State team is a very very solid team. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit before the show, Fresno State. They could walk into the Pac-12 and beat a lot of Pac-12 teams, I feel like. They are a really good team. But the way USC is moving right now and with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, give me USC. If USC wants to prove it to me, which I know they do, that they are a true playoff contender, go win and cover this spread. Just go win and cover the spread, and then I'll, I'll start to slowly just kind of buy in. Like they've got, they've just got to prove it first. Dude, Lincoln Riley listens to this podcast every week, and he's been hearing all of Jackson's chatter. I promise. I know it's they, they played great against Stanford. He, he's heard it. I know he's heard it. Big listener. Um, to finish up, this is a game I've struggled to figure out all week, and it's because A and M lost to App State. I, mm-hmm. And I think that's bad for Miami. And let me tell you why. I think this is 
I won't. I'm, I'm trying not to be too dramatic here. This feels almost like now or never. A and M has to win this football game yeah. because we we talked about it earlier this week. You know the three games they got after this: Arkansas, Mississippi mm-hmm. State, Alabama. Oh yeah, They're, none of them are in College Station. They have to win this game. Like there is just no way around it. I. Miami, obviously, their their top receiver Xavier Restrepo, he's out indefinitely. That come out today, so that that's pretty big loss. I've that's already, huge. yeah, I've got concerns, and, and he's not like an elite first round talent, but he's a reliable. Yeah. He's he's Van Dyke's favorite target. Yeah, he, he's pretty big in their offense. I have big questions about that Miami receiver room. I just don't know if that that's where I'm at with their offense right now. I just don't think any of those guys can win one on one matchups. I don't think they can make plays on their own. I'll say that I think Miami's defense so far, at least in the front seven, is pretty dang good. Like, I, I really like Miami's front seven, what I've seen. And I know they haven't played the greatest competition. Their secondary concerns me. And Mario Cristobal tried to harp on it at, at his press conferences this week. A&M has speed on the outside. Like, they're not yeah, lacking talent. huge. Like, Evan Stewart, those guys, like, those guys can fly. The problem is, and Devin A. Chain at running back, like that, those guys can fly, and they've got some serious talent there. I just like if Haynes King starts and plays this whole game, that's what Miami wants. Yeah. What I'm afraid of, if I was a Miami fan, is you know if Max Johnson comes in the game and breathes life into into the place and and into or the Connor office. Wigman. Yeah, like it, it could be either or, and I have a hard time seeing Jimbo throwing a true freshman out there just with yeah. how stubborn he is but ultimately to me is Miami's gone on the road and played against because A&M's a super talented opponent I don't care what happened last week and they have failed this before like Miami has not gotten a win on the road against a pretty talented or good team in a while and it makes it hard to back them I think A&M is going to be as focused as ever I just think I think I would take the under in this game first of all like I think this is going to be a scoring game Although I think I'm, I still like Miami to win the ACC. I think they're a team that's going to get better as the year goes on, and they have the better quarterback in this game. Give me Texas A and M. I, I just I think their defense is going to cause enough problems against Miami's receivers, and I think yeah. their defensive line, while inexperienced, I think can overpower Miami's offensive line and get some pressure on Van Dyke and some third downs. Like give, give me A and M like twenty to seventeen or twenty three twenty something like that. Yeah, I think the biggest thing about this game, I trust A&M's playmakers, not necessarily their quarterback. I think, honestly, if I had to pick right now, I'd choose Van Dyke over um, Haynes King right now. But the other playmakers they have, Devon A-Chain, Arian Smith, Evan Stewart, dude, they got wheels, man, everywhere. You put Devon A-Chain on kick return, he can get you a good, he can get you a big play any given time. Um and then their defense, I think their defense is very, very physical. It always is. And then playing at Kyle Field is one of the hardest things to do. Ask Alabama. They couldn't do it last year. There's a lot of teams that walk onto that field and they lose. Um, give me, give me A&M. I've like, just like you, I've struggled with this pick. Um, just because I like what Mario Cristobal is doing at Miami. I think they are set up for the future. But as of right now, I don't think they have what it takes to beat A&M. But if Haynes King goes in there and lays an egg, it could flip either way. So give me A and M, but I, I'm not. I don't like A and M by six. Like I, I agree with you. I think it'll be close. 
Yeah, like it, that's the biggest thing. Like Haynes King can go in there. Like if he plays, like Miami can very much win this football game. Like they, yeah. even if Max Johnson plays, like I, I've never been a big Max Johnson fan. I think he's all right. Yeah. But I think people like throw him around as one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC when he was at LSU. And I, I've never, ever bought into that. Yeah. But I think he's better than Haynes King. So I'll I'll leave that there. I I can't wait to see this game. I think it's going to be – even if Miami loses, I don't think it's the end of the world. I picked them. I mean, I picked Miami to win the ACC before the year, but I picked them to lose this game too. Like I, yeah. I haven't. Um, I thought they've had a chance to win this game just because A and M has not really lived up to their talent level in any point in Jimbo Fisher's tenure there. But yeah. like A and M is in a corner here. Like they they have to win this football game. I think yeah. they do. I don't know how the rest of the season goes and how the upcoming games for them go, but. I, I just I think they they have to win this game, and I think they do. Bottom line, so yeah, so that that'll be our picks for this week. We're only different on a couple of them. I wanted to try to be different because there's there's got to be a, a, some difference somewhere. Yeah. So Texas Tech and Washington, yeah. go do your thing like that. That's that's going to give me a leg up. We're tied right now. Those are the yep. two differences. Give me the one thing you're look you're looking forward to this weekend, or the one thing you you can't wait to see this weekend as we close this out. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of things. Uh, FSU uh, Friday night. I want to see how I want to see how they proceed. Um, Georgia. I really want to see them dominate. I want to see them beat the dog crap out of South Carolina. Um, honestly, the biggest thing I really want to see BYU and Oregon. I want to see BYU be good. I want to see BYU go in there and dominate. I want to see BYU go in there and just absolutely take all hope out of Oregon season this year. Um, just because personally speaking as a Bama fan, I don't like Bo Nix. I do not think he's good. I don't like him. So I think the biggest, biggest thing of the weekend, BYU and Oregon. For me, it's teams. If you want to be considered contenders or want to be considered on the upper category, Time to prove it. BYU, if you want to be considered a French playoff contender, go on the road and beat a team that just lost by 46 points. Miami, if you want to be a French playoff contender, go on the road and beat a team that just lost to App State. NC State, if you want to be considered an ACC contender, beat Texas Tech at home. Yeah. Same thing. Beat Fresno State. Like, these teams that still have so much questions, you know, we, we're still so early in the season that you're just wanting more data and everything. This is another week to really go out and prove it. And I just I feel like somebody's gonna go down and we'll say, well, they weren't as good as we thought, but then I think it's gonna be NC State. So that'll do it for us. That is Kobe Reed. This is Jackson Caldwell. I know I flubbed that the last time. So I, 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 <laughs> this is the Goal Line Sam Podcast. We are out.